innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight, fight. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. We have a very special episode this time, not only because we get to talk to one of the first 12 women outside of Brazil to earn a black belt, which is very exciting, but also it's the rare occasion that Lourdes and I are in the same location. Lourdes and Josh Murdoch have been training at Bellingham BJJ, the school that I teach at, all week, which has been big fun. And Lourdes, I just have one question for you, which is what was your favorite part about getting to train with and interview Cindy Hales, one of the very first women to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I I honestly was just, I was pretty starstruck when she came and was hanging out with us. I was amazed that she came out to Bellingham and was just like so open to traveling and, and to training with new people. And she was just so down to earth and just so open about her training and about sharing information. Um, one of the things that really kind of touched me was, well, there was a couple of things, but one, when we were taking class, because we took class at Bellingham BJJ, and um, when we were in class, she still had that that look of wonder in her eyes when she, we were learning from – we were taking a class with David Porter. And she still kind of had that look of wonder in her eye. Like she she was – it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I've seen all this before. She still had that kind of like love for jiu-jitsu look on her face. Like she was just um, still in wonderment of it all. And it made me remember to always kind of keep that like fresh outlook when I'm training and, you know, and to always kind of have that fresh look. Um, when I'm uh, when I when I'm getting a chance to be in class and uh, and so I, I that was one thing that I really um, picked up on from her and that I hope to carry through in in my own training and um, and it was just really awesome to meet another woman who had also had a very similar background with like you know having you know been old school punk rock and graffiti and and uh, and had some of that some of those experiences we had similar experience life experiences from before we either of us had. Even even started jiu-jitsu and how those same kind of like riot girl kind of like attitude of like coming into jiu-jitsu of like I can do this I've you know I have that willpower and that was really inspiring to just see someone else that kind of had that and that I shared that with those were just two things that really stood out to me and and the fact that I got to train with someone that was doing jiu-jitsu before jiu-jitsu was really even cool you know, she was just, she was just like, yeah, there was no other women training with me or they were coming in and out, but I just stuck with it. And it was because she just had this, like, I'm going to do this attitude. So, but there was just so many awesome things to experience like with Cindy. So it was pretty great. You and I are both big fans of jujitsu history and especially some of the women pioneers of it. Uh, and Cindy is a great example of that. It's always a risk to meet the people you admire because sometimes they live up to what you hope they'll be. Sometimes they don't. But I concur with everything that you said. And I think I'm really excited for the listeners to hear some of what Cindy had to talk to you and I about, some of which you've mentioned about her early days in punk rock, about 
training jujitsu before the world knew really what jujitsu was and continuing with it and maintaining that passion. And so we're excited for you to hear this interview. We're excited for you to hear about Cindy Hales's new school in Linwood, Washington, Sleeper BJJ. And we're excited for you to maybe get a chance to train with Cindy like we did. We learned some great techniques from her. I'm excited to have her up for a seminar at Bellingham BJJ because I want the experience that you had for all of my students. I want everybody to be able to get the chance to train with Cindy. She's a tremendous resource and a really engaging interview. And so without further ado, here's the interview Lourdes and I did with Cindy Hales. Hey, Lourdes, we get a lot of questions about refereeing at grappling tournaments. And one of the things I find interesting about U.S. grappling is that every ref is required to go through the referee certification program. I understand you've been through it. Is that right? Absolutely. And it was a lot of fun. It was definitely pretty rigorous and we got a lot of information. But not only did I get a nice pamphlet that I was able to go through before the the workshop, I was able to take that pamphlet home and work through it again later. And there was a full day workshop where we went through all the rules and we got a chance to do some practice rounds and to try out the the new techniques that we were learning to be refs. Yeah, it's really important to be able to practice in real time. And so this is one of the things that makes U.S. Grappling a terrific tournament organization is they take officiating seriously and take the competitor experience seriously. And if you want to have a great competitor experience, you can do so March 23rd in Frederick, Maryland. You can do so April 27th in Richmond, Virginia. Or if you're in North Carolina, May 11th, they come to Greensboro. And there's a June Raleigh tournament as well. So don't forget to support our favorite tournament organization, U.S. Grappling. You can register online at usgrappling.com. Also remember, black belts compete for free. Hey, y'all, it's Jeff and Lourdes with Dirty White Belt Radio, and we're here talking to Cindy Hales. Cindy is one of the first 12 women outside of Brazil to get a black belt, one of the so-called Dirty Dozen. She's opening a new school in Linwood, Washington called Sleeper Jiu-Jitsu that should be open this April. So be sure to check that out. And Cindy, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to meet you guys and come hang out and train. So why don't we start by having you tell us how you got started training Jiu-Jitsu? Well, I started, um, my friend back in like the 90s showed me, like late 90s, showed me some UFC tapes and it always kind of just stayed with me. I wasn't like into fighting or anything, but my friend was like, you got to see this stuff. So I watched it and I was fascinated by Hoist Gracie, you know, and those tapes of Hoist Gracie and just like, oh my God, that guy doing that crazy shit. Um, I need to learn that one day. And then um, several years later, um, I hadn't really thought about it or anything, but then I was coming home from work on the bus and I saw a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. And I was like, that's that stuff. That's that stuff I saw. I've got to go learn it. And I, it was a Marcelo Alonso school in Tacoma, Washington. And I went in and signed up and started training and got obsessed and just kept training there. Yeah. So can you tell me what it was like um, when you were a white belt and what was the scene like? And did you have other women that you were training with or like what, what were the, what was even the school environment like at that time? Okay, so um, the school environment, so Tacoma is like a military town, you know, so it was a lot of military guys in the gym. The gym wasn't real fancy. It was a very small, you know, kind of gnarly school. I didn't really have anything to, like, gauge it on, but from today's standards, it was, you know, definitely different. Um, There weren't very many women. Uh, I pretty much was the only girl in the school. There would be, like, maybe one would come in and then leave. Then maybe someone else would come in, and then they would leave. Um, but it was mostly uh, at the school that I started with. There was some 
just like regular guys. And then there was a bunch of military guys, you know, for uh, at, at Fort Lewis that would come in and kind of supplement their military training, I think. And so it was a lot of focus on that as well at the school that I was at. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty hard I think like it was shocking for me honestly um but I was just like I didn't really I think like in retrospect it was I realized it was shocking then I was just like I just need to do that thing and I gotta make sure I figure out how to be in this room and do this thing I came from Evergreen State College I was involved in like you know I was into Riot Girl. I was into feminism I was into all of those things so then going into like this room of dudes for lack of a better word was just like oh, this is kind of crazy. Um, but I also was like, well, it's also kind of like, oh, I'm kind of prepared. Like, it's a world of dudes. And I know about worlds of dudes. And like, girls can be in worlds of dudes. You know, and like, you just need to navigate that in different ways. And, you know, I think looking back now, it's like, oh, I, I, I went some directions that I was like, oh, I don't think that's the best direction for me. I thought that's the direction you needed to go in the sport. Um, you know, to fit in. So I've been, like, thinking about a lot of those things, like, especially as I build a gym. Like, you know, I came in and adapted to learn jiu-jitsu, and then the sport grew. I started to have, like, more control and power in the sport. Um, and now I think kind of the the current manifestation of that would be, like, I'm going to – I'm moving away from being part of a team uh, to – opening my own gym before I had just some investors and I was part of a, another team. And um, now I have a partner that's going to be helpful with me and involved and that we have like a relationship. You know, we're friends. We work well together and kind of taking that moving forward to see like what kind of team do I want to create? And I spent a lot of time like thinking about that. I was telling you guys about my podcast. Really, my podcast was this exploration into um, like what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of mentor? Because when I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, like I, I, I've gone back and interviewed like old black belts. Like, do you remember them talking about leadership? Because I don't remember that. Do you know what I mean? And like, I was more, uh, came up as a sport and like, you want to like win. And I, you know, came from a competitive like background of, of things. So I was like, oh, you know, I, I knew about sport in that way. Um, then I entered jujitsu like, oh, it's like, you know, your dad making you do sports, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, okay, I know how to be in this and like be athletic. And, you know, um, now I'm trying to see how do you structure a gym in like a better way or a different way that like is a little more accessible and inclusive and really like uh, not only teaches great technique, but like really like values uh, more than just like winning in the gym, you know, and values like each person and like how do you from the top down build that because I believe if you systematically do that just like if you like build your technique in a way that's like gonna help you win you can build a gym that then like builds people um and like what do I want to put out into the world so I'm looking at like all these projects about like doing those things so yeah that's uh you know jujitsu like was me getting off a bus stop fascinated with like oh there's that crazy stuff to like oh now I'm thinking about it in all these other terms and so yeah that's kind of like how it's changed for me. So what are your thoughts about the way, because it has, jujitsu has changed from when you started to now we have like women's grappling networks and we have, you know, we have tournaments now that are, that are, you know, just female tournaments. And so what are your thoughts or what would you say to women who are just now starting? We see women starting even in their forties and even later than that. 
I have a uh, Jeff and I have a good friend um, who trains, and I think she's well and she's in her sixties, and she's a purple belt, and she still competes competitively. What are your your thoughts on on the way that jujitsu has moved and accommodated and and accepted women into into the folds? Um, well, I see it's happening, and I think it's awesome. Like jujitsu is like becoming more accessible for people. I think uh, before it was, I think mainly just for like you know, 18 to 30 year old dudes. And now you start seeing people, um, bringing more women in, creating environments that are, that are, that are, you know, I think open to having women and I, and not even just women, like just people, just people in general, you know, older people, um, kids, even there weren't people like even really running kids that much when I started, it was just this like dude endeavor. Um, so it's like, I think once you start doing that environments change, uh, people start to see, Oh yeah, there's value in having all these people. I think as a business owner, there's obvious value. You're capturing, you know, the other half of the population. You know, so that makes obvious sense. Um, I, uh, I really, I think, you know, it still starts with the leadership in the gym because I, you know, while I think women are more included than they used to be, I don't think they're as included as they should be. Um, so I think, like, you know. Uh, where does that start? Uh, I can say personally, for me, it's it's the leadership in the gym. It boils down to that. Um, I've had situations in gyms that I've been at that it's like, if there was no clear leadership, you know, they said they had wanted women, but women weren't going to stay, you know? So uh, there's uh, the mixed messaging. You know, they wanted them, but they didn't want to create an environment to keep them. Um, so uh, I think that's a big struggle that, uh, you know, I... I don't want to just say that everything's great and the community is, like, wonderful. I think there's a lot of change that still needs to happen in gyms. Um, But I like that there's at least organizations for girls to be able to, like, see other women. Um, I try and really support girls and geese. Um, They're pretty active here. Um, Some people have brought them up. Uh, They seem like kind of I like when there's a non-affiliated kind of group that, like, everyone feels comfortable. I... mm, you know, there's all these team things in jujitsu, and I'm really not a fan of that. Uh, you know, I have friends on all different teams. Um, uh, it's something I think when I would have started jujitsu, uh, uh, it just seems weird. You know, I think even I'm almost apprehensive on like even like these like hierarchical belt ranks. I'm like, well, I've talked to some people like, oh, when you're you're supposed to like do everything your black belt tells you, and you can't say no to the black belt. I don't subscribe to that. Um, I think that's uh, kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to teach someone self-defense um, and you're telling them that they can't say no to someone, I think that's 100% the exact opposite messaging. Um, so I think those kind of things I really try to look at, I think, you know, does leadership come from being just like in charge or do you like set that example? Um, you know, it's like people can beat me, you know, people can, I'm little, I'm getting older. It's like, I can't, you know, I think, the environment was kind of enforced in jiu-jitsu through, like, who is the toughest and who is the winner. And I think, you know, whether we say that's what's happening or not, it a lot of times boils down to, like, well, that guy will handle that guy. You know, you get the, you know. Um, and so uh, I can't survive in that environment, you know, if you, like, look at it realistically. So it's like there's got to be a different way to lead people. And so I think that's, you know, I think when people start doing that, I think that's what's truly going to make jiu-jitsu, like, accessible for women, accessible for all people, is, like, 
creating an environment where, you know, it's not, you're not going to be physically, like, reprimanded. You're going to, you know, be open to growth and learning. I think if you, like, focus on those things and, you know, really lead by example with that and set that standard. And, you know, I used to, like, never want people to get bad positions and I felt bad. You know, I was, like, definitely one of those people, like, oh, I didn't really understand a lot of the lessons and then I started to learn them and like what do they really mean uh and just trying to apply those to my gym and to my jiu-jitsu it not only kind of like made me be able to stay in jiu-jitsu because I have like you know not tapping trying to do all these things trying to fit into like this one way of jiu-jitsu I got a lot of injuries right and I've like falling apart and I don't even think it's just me though because I look at other like people of my generation of jujitsu and they're all falling apart and I'm like I what am I gonna do when I can't walk you know and I see that now like my friend had a hip replacement I thought I was gonna get a knee replacement you know it's like I'm only 45 that's crazy talk you know so it's like you have to do something radically different and I think if I can set that example as the coach then other people in the gym can be like oh I can do that too you know and then more people will come in and so you know I try to do that not you know for women for kids you know my my biggest thing that I run through is like how will like all the kids I have one kid and I always refer to like my modeling on him of like since I've I had him since he was five and now he's like 15 so it's like how how will I get him to be like 40 and still training and not looking back and being like oh you were the coach that had me do this crazy stuff and now I can't do things do you know what I mean like I saw people like oh I knew that kid when he was a high schooler and now he's like 30 and has chronic back problems because they trained in a certain way you know and it's like I don't want that to be my legacy when someone kind of quietly thinks about me of like oh I wish I would have had different coaching um so I kind of like you know what's the best thing not like here and now to win like what's the best thing to create like long-term healthy people and happy like successful people and whatever that means Um, So that's kind of what I look at. And I think big picture that will make women happier in the gym. And, you know, I I like try to think about it like in the community at large. It's, you know, the biggest thing that I try and do is just like reach out to other girls and be like, oh, yeah, this is my experience. It's not all been great, but here it is. And, you know, then I think it at least leaves the door open like, okay, I'm not the only one. They're not the only one. And, yeah, that's kind of what I try and do. One of the interesting things about that is, you know, you have the opportunity uh, as the owner of your own school that is not affiliated with the team necessarily is to create your own culture and to lead in the way you describe. And one thing I always say is it's so much easier to create a culture from the ground up than to change a culture because you face resistance and things like that. And there are a lot of old school jujitsu people and there's value in this that are like, well, things are we've done this a certain way. We're going to keep doing this because that's the way we do things. Well, why do we do it that way? Well, because we've always done it that way. And so it must be exciting for you to have the opportunity to lead and to build the type of gym that that you think is a positive gym. Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, um, when I left the last team I was on, um, it was a little, it was a rocky leaving, but it's kind of one of those things I was just like, really like, oh, I'm going to be like, open to what can happen you know and I had like I'd been almost like oh I'd been preparing for this and now I'm ready to do it and I'm actually I have this other cool project that I'm working on so I go to um, Nicaragua and I've been going there for a few years and training with a gym down there my friend runs a gym 
and it's you know a pretty cool project where they have like all the local kids get to come for free and then they come you know and teach them they work with some social projects and so you know i i've worked to bring geese down to them and different gear over a few years and now i'm going to try and affiliate those schools and do uh, destination camps so i'm working on that so i've got a friend out in new york that's a black belt and um, some good, like, opportunities. So I have, like, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, for me, what jujitsu can do to, like, help people in the world and in their life. And, you know, that's, like, a totally underserved community. And, you know, there's only, like, two jujitsu schools in all of Nicaragua. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And there's, like, all these kids that love jujitsu. And I love jujitsu. And it's like, man, I want to go and, like, be able to help that. And to me, that's, like super cool um to have like teach kids surfing and like help them access like other resources in the community so like being able to change lives not just through sport but through like how do you access other things and access people you know and see like what do these people need and try and do that and creating jobs you know I've been lucky that jiu-jitsu did give me a job you know I had like a corporate job and I hated it and I quit to teach jiu-jitsu and to be like I'm gonna do jiu-jitsu and everyone thought I was crazy you know and it was like sometimes I'm like oh maybe I should have kept that job you know but it's like no no no. I get to do all these things and jiu-jitsu like provided me like so many opportunities to travel and to like meet people that like yeah I'm just excited that I'm gonna be able to kind of move away from one team and like kind of work on the projects that are like actually really important to me and I think those have like value in jiu-jitsu and you know the other team will be just fine chugging away doing their value of jiu-jitsu and it's like hmm, I think there's like a lot of people who who believe in a little more organic um you know I don't really shop at the mall or at Walmart and so you know I I believe in like kind of the the ground level of people versus like, like you said, like kind of this like top down telling me to do something. It's like, I want to do it because it's like, obviously what I'm going to do, you know, that's what I do with jujitsu. That's what I do. You know, even with my moves, people are like, that's not a move. And it's like, well, it's my move. You know, it's like art. How do you tell someone like, that's not how you do it. It's like, well, that's how I do it. You know? And it's like, I, you know, it's like through podcasting, you're like, well, I don't care how many people listen. It's like, if I, you know, when you're looking at like connecting with the world, um, how many people do you need? You know, and you're like pulling off million, billions of people. It's like, there's enough jujitsu, there's enough of everything to go around. It's not a scarcity issue. So. Can you tell us how you got the name Sleeper? Huh. Well, it came from, so uh, I, I worked as like a taking care of this old guy named Petey. He had MS and um, he, he, he would call me the sleeper because it was like an old car that looked crappy but went fast, right? So it's like, a, so it was like, you're not tough, right? He, I was like, take care of him and hang out. He was like this old school motorcycle dude from Tacoma and I would take care of him and his buddies and we would like hang out, you know? And um, so they would just joke around like, what do you mean you do this? You're like, not tough looking or what you know they were just like clowning me so that's where it came from yeah <laughs> that's not what i expected i expected that you put somebody to sleep or something yeah, like that's where it's even funnier like it no it's like totally unrelated but it's so like fit it, it fit with it and then it's like oh yeah so that's where it came from you mentioned riot girl are you excited about the bikini kill reunion because i'm excited about the bikini kill reunion going to the bikini kill reunion you got tickets la or new york 
I'm totally excited about it, but I was like, dude, aren't they going to have like a secret show in Olympia or something? That would make sense. You know, because I, yeah, uh, I, I didn't get tickets. I thought about it. I definitely thought about it. And, you know, uh, I'm such a huge fan of just like what they did. And, you know, I sometimes like think about like, uh, I think for a while in jujitsu, I was like, oh, it's not, it's not necessary anymore. I almost like fooled myself. And then it's like, oh my God, what were you thinking? You lived in a little bubble, like, you know, and you were like, it's like, it's so necessary and it's super empowering still. I'll like go back and listen to those albums and it's like, they're rad. And like a lot of that, the lessons that I learned that I didn't even know I was learning about life of like, dude, I had like, I didn't even realize it was just like some people that I hung out, like knew from my town and like we're in bands and like, you know, you paid $5 and like went to shows and like hung out and you know, Kathleen Hanna, I lived in an apartment across the hall, you know, and it was like, she was just this rad girl. Um, and then you start seeing like, man, the impact that like, that really had on me, like seeing like, oh, people can do rad things. Girls can do rad things. Really, anyone can do rad things. That's why I like, like, kind of the punk rock ethos of like, DIY of like, dude, you can do anything. If you like, just like, put yourself out there and like, are excited about things you can make stuff happen and it's like you know that's when I follow that that's when good things happen to me you know and when I don't not good things you know it's like I like look like I thought kind of like getting an adult like being an adult I'm like oh I should be doing these things and it's like no no, no you got to think about it like what do you what do you want to go do just go do that people are going to tell you you're crazy just go do that and it works out you know sometimes it's rocky it's not always like pleasant you know but it's like I think about we were talking about the gym it's like dude it's like a little frustrating because I can don't have a gym but then it's like well I can get off my couch and like drive and meet other people and like talk about jujitsu and show my moves and like meet other people and I came up here and I was like man I haven't been to Bellingham in a long time I was like I I saw Citizen Fish here and I saw all these bands you know I'm like reminiscing like oh I haven't been here since then you know so it's like yeah I'm just like uh as I as I've gotten older and like really thinking about it it's like You know, I just feel really lucky that I got to come up in, like, that pivotal moment of, like, a scene of music. Like, there's really cool people, um, Sleater Kenny, um, you know, so many rad bands. You know, I was a huge fan of, like, all the Discord bands, Lungfish and Nation of Ulysses. And I just, like, being able to be on, like, Facebook and Instagram and, like, watching all those people and seeing, like, all the cool things they're still doing. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's rad. And I just, yeah. Uh, I, I just feel really, really like fortunate. So, is your podcast going to have a soundtrack that we can subscribe to on Spotify or Pandora? <laughs> I probably could put one in. You know, it's like God. I, I so I'm like not a musician at all. I wish I was. You know, that was like one of the hard things. Like, oh, I'm just not arty. I, I, I um, but I like just have all my cool friends tell me cool bands. You know, and that's why I'm just like, oh man. Uh, yeah, it's really neat. I've been, like, nerding out on, like, 90s-era punk rock and just, like, going back and, like, re-listening to all of that all over again. And, like, you know, man, I really love Circus Lupus. And, you know, like, all these bands, like, oh, my God, I can't. And then I was, a, like, a total vegan straight-edge kid for a little while. So I, like, you know, listened to some of that, like, the Youth of Today stuff and Gorilla Biscuits. And, um, yeah, so just, like, going over that is pretty cool. Um yeah, I'll have a soundtrack, and I, I, I'm like, maybe I can, like, somehow finagle, like, all the cool people that I used to know to, like, do podcasts with me, too. So it's, like, because I just, like, kind of go back, and I'm like, oh, man, that guy's, like, 
recording all these rad bands or, you know, this person's doing that. And so, yeah, it's it's cool. I, I've just, like, again, been super lucky. I think in jiu-jitsu I've met tons of cool people in, you know, in music, uh, being able to travel now to Nicaragua and, like, meeting people there. And, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's really what it's all about. Like, I was talking about, like, you don't really need the teams. It's like, we have our teams so we can compete. You need some kind of team so there's competition. But, like, you know, there's just so many cool people. Yeah, I'm just into, like, learning new things all the time. Hey, Lourdes, what is your favorite thing about U.S. grappling? I would have to say the camaraderie. And I really enjoy competing at U.S. grappling events because I, they have the best refs. And so I know it's always going to be a positive experience. It's really important to have great refs. It keeps everybody safe and having a good time at the tournament. And speaking of upcoming tournaments, March 23rd, U.S. Grappling is going to Frederick, Maryland. April 27th, Richmond, Virginia. Back to North Carolina on May 11th in Greensboro. So if you're in the Southeast anywhere, go and find yourself a U.S. Grappling tournament. You're guaranteed to have a good time. Well, I could nerd out with v- with you about vegan straight edge punk rock all day, but uh, I think maybe we should talk a little bit more about jujitsu. And so I'm curious, like you know, you've been training a long time. Who are some of your favorite training partners or teachers, folks that have helped you the most along your journey? Um. Okay. So training partners and teachers. Well, so you know, I started with Marcelo Alonso, and I I will say what I credit him with, and it's like he was so, like, enthusiastic about how he, like, sold jujitsu in this way, at least, like, it was, like, captivating, so I think, like, he was one of my favorites because he, like, you know, I think if I would have walked in and had some kind of experience, I might not have come back, and so I think I'm really lucky to have started with Marcelo Alonso. Um, He kind of, like, really touched all the people, I think, in the Northwest. Uh, I've been going back and looking at the history of the Northwest, so him, uh, Rodrigo Lopes, I, he was like, you know, one of my main training partners because he was a little guy. We were both little coming up. I remember, I think he was a brown belt when I met him, maybe a purple belt. Um, we came up together and, you know, I got to train with him a lot. I felt really lucky. You know, I was training under Mama Zeno, but Rodrigo was really the guy I trained with because he was little. And uh, I have my friend Alex Chung, and we kind of trained a lot. He was one of the guys who would come and help me when I started MMA. And I reconnected with him, and he's one of the guys that I'm going to kind of be doing things with in Nicaragua, hopefully. And so that was cool. Um, he's uh, one of those people I like. They just kind of come in and out of your life. You get to train with them. You connect with them. Then things, ha- you know, life happens, and different things are happening. Um, I feel really lucky. Uh, I got to train with Ivan Salvary. I trained at his gym. Um, you know, I think me and Ivan have, like, coming from definitely different places. Um, it's one of the things I've been looking at of, like, uh, the complexity of people. And, like, man, I really credit him with, like, always kind of being, like, he would always be, like, Mama, go do your thing. Like, what are you doing, Mama? Go do this, right? And then I even just talked to him a little while ago, and he's, like, I told you that, like, 15 years ago. I'm, like, yeah, I know. Um, so, you know, with a little perspective, like, really, like, looking at, like, uh, you know, I think he was, like, someone that, like, kind of influenced me a lot. Uh, I, I don't think, like, I think 
everyone I train with is like really important. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing in training is like the day to day, not like the amazing parts of it. It's like, I think where you become the best is like showing up every day and like being there for people on your team. And that's what I really look at in my gym is like, well, who shows up the most? You know, if you show up the most and are hearing, not, you can't just walk in the door and be disengaged, but you need to show up and be engaged. Usually if you show up, you're engaged, you know, um, show up, be engaged and, and the rest comes. I believe the rest will come. And so I'm always just like, I like to think like the beauty of it. And for me is like, just like the mundane of like, oh, I like the grind of it. So it's like, you know, I haven't trained with like tons of famous people or any of that, but I think I like done well with what I have. And yeah, I really just think the magic of it is like being in the gym training. I, I definitely like, I'm, I prefer to train. I just prefer to train all the time if I can, you know, that's like, uh, if I can't train, you know, that's like the hardest part for me and, you know, like managing injuries and all of that. So it's just like, man, I just feel lucky every day if I can just be in the gym. So yeah, the, I guess I don't have any, like, you know, I, I don't know. I like, who are my favorite training partners? Well, whoever's there, that's the person who's, who's my favorite training partner. Who's there right now. Right. And then the next day it's like, whoever's there. Yeah. Lourdes is your favorite training partner. I'm going to write that. Yay! Um, so I posted up on the Women's Grappling Network if anybody had questions for you. And we did get a question from Stacy Harden-Thompson. And she'd like to hear your philosophies about teaching kids, what your goals are um, that you strive for each kid, and what do you think are the most important things to impart to them? Okay, so it's like one of my favorite topics, teaching kids. Um, uh, so I, I, I've, I've had different like approaches or thoughts, um, you know, it's evolved over time. Uh, right now, what's most important to me in teaching kids is just like, I want them to come in and just know that it's like a place for them to learn and that I'm going to be here all the time. I think it's another one of those things. What do you do for kids is you show up every day. I tell people it's like the class isn't 100% every day. I'm going to give 100%, but it's going to, you know, some days it's not going to be good. It's going to be a 70% day, right? I'm not perfect every day. The kids aren't perfect every day. Where does the magic happen? You show up every single day, even if it's a, you know, maybe one kid is going to have not so great a day. And you're like, dude, today wasn't a great day. And this is, you know, you talk to them about it. And then you say, but we're going to get back tomorrow. And you show up tomorrow and it's another day. And, you know, you can even do that moment by moment. I'll talk to kids like, oh, or, you know, how's your day? We, we do in my school, like, what's new? You know, before class, you sit down, what's new? So I get to, like, know about all the kids versus just, like, I find that it's easier to, like, connect with them if you, like, take time to talk to them. You know, and it's like, so we do that. And, you know, you'll, you'll see, just like any person, if you take the time to talk to them, you find out, like, what's going on with them. And then you're like, dude, maybe... It, today's a little hard well let's turn it around it doesn't have to end hard maybe it started hard but let's flip it you know or like dude maybe today didn't we didn't manage that today tomorrow's a new day you know and it's like you just keep showing up for people and treating them fairly and like being there for them being engaged and I think that's the way to teach kids you know you're fair you don't ask them to do anything that you wouldn't do or that they can't do you know you you keep things within their ability you make it fun. You make them, like, want to be there. And that's by, like, being engaged and, like, being there with them and, like, having 
I don't even think it's about having great technique. It's like about like engaging with the kids and like being like, dude, we're all in this together and we're like working hard and sometimes it's awesome and sometimes it's super hard and we're getting through it. And I think that's like, you know, that's what I try to do for myself. I know like, man, jujitsu is hard. And it's like, dude, yeah, I'm not going to tell you it's not hard. You know, I sometimes like, I hear like, you know, parents, I try not to be like, no talking, but it's like you hear, I'm like, come on, go do, do this faster. And it's like, dude, it's hard. Dude, settle down. It's hard. They're trying, you know? So I just like try to, I try to just coach kids how I would want to be coached, you know? And it's not like, uh, I don't try to be heavy handed or like very regimented. I'm more like not very linear. So I try to like, dude, jujitsu is a way to express yourself. And I think there's basic, you know, things you need to do to be in a community of people, you know, there's rules and basic things, but then you like, Hey, I'm going to give you these tools to build your game. And that's, you know, I try to do that and, you know, just have the kids have fun. And yeah, I guess that's, that's all I try and do. It's pretty easy actually. So I'm obsessed with jujitsu history, and I love it, and I love learning about it, particularly now that I'm back here in the Northwest, learning about Marcelo Alonso and some of the other folks that you mentioned. I'm curious, you know, you're one of the, the earliest people to get a black belt. Is that a point of pride for you, or is it not something that you think about very much? Well, um, so uh, a little of both, actually. You know, eh, when, when they called me about the Dirty Dozen thing, so they, ca- they called or like sent an email, and they're like, what's your credentials? And I was just like, okay, here's my thing. And, like, just didn't even think anything of it. I was like, no, no way. And then I used, had a joke, like, where I was like, uh, they're, you know, well, first I was just like, no way, and just forgot about it. And then they were like, you made the list. I'm like, what do you mean? No way. Um, uh, then I was like, oh, they're going to find some other random person, because I'm number 12, right? I'm number 12. So if they find any other person, they'll just knock me off the list. So that's, but it's like, to me, that's really like the most important, like award or like more than any medal is like, because I think it just represents like, you're one of the early old school people, you know? And I, uh, there's a, there's a pride in that. I think there's like a punk rock pride in like, yeah, I came in early. I came in when it was not cool. It was definitely like, People did not think it was cool. You know, it was not cool. There was not gear, and there was not, like, a... It was a bunch of weirdos, dude. And it was, like, so... I take pride in that. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I'm i proud of my black belt. I'm more proud just of myself that it's, like, dude, this is the longest I've ever done anything consistently. Um, there's been lots of times that I've wanted to quit. There's been, like all these things, but it's like the, the belt is like m- more nice to signify to other people, quite honestly. Um, I was supposed to get my belt like a year earlier and I missed it. I didn't show up. I was doing something else and they called me and like, where are you? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll show up. And I didn't show up. And there was like a lot of like weird, you know, I was uh, dating one of my coaches and then I was getting belted under another coach and there was a little bit of like weirdness there and so it's just like wow I just kind of detached from a lot of it like it's like eh, you guys can worry all about that and I'm gonna be training and you know and then I've like gone through like you know I have the the dirty dozen and it's like pretty well documented you know and then I went to go get my IBJJF black belt certificate and like that's a whole nother mess you know and so 
you know, this ranking or that ranking and like needing people to sign off. And I, you know, on my podcast, I was, I'm doing one, my, my personal one. And then one about like the history of the Northwest where I'm just interviewing black belts. But then I was going to have a section like, why the fuck isn't that guy a black belt? Cause there's some of those people that it's like, well, they've done so much, but they didn't have black belts. And a lot of that is like, they're not under a black belt. Someone's not signing off, you know? And when it gets down to that, I just don't care about it anymore. I just stop caring, you know? So it's like, the belt means a lot to me, um, but it doesn't mean a lot to me in the sense of the belt. It means a lot to me in, like, the hard work. And, like, you know, when someone's like, oh, you didn't buy your membership card this many times, so you don't have, well, okay, whatever. I don't care, you know. So I look at it like what the belt signifies means a lot to me. The belt as a driver's license or a thing. Uh, I try not to, to worry about that because I hear a lot of people like, I didn't get mine and you know, I didn't do this or this, this paperwork isn't going through. And it's like, eh, I don't care about that. <laughs> just, you know, so I, I look at it. I like to grapple. And I think what's, what's cool is like people can see how you grapple and how I think you can see not only if you're like got good moves or you're a great athlete, you can kind of see what kind of person they are. You know, their personality comes out, how you are in the gym. And I would rather, you know, just train with cool people. Yeah, so that's how I look at the belts. I like to grapple too, and I want to make sure we save some time for us to grapple each other. And so, Lourdes, do you have any any final questions for Cindy? The the two final questions, I'm going to end on a lighter note. One, I want to know what your favorite cheat food is. And, uh, and the second question is, um, what's your spirit animal? Okay, so my favorite cheat food, well, I don't diet, so all food is a cheat food. Um, I think, uh, well, smoothies are my favorite food in the world. And then I like, like vegan snacks and, um, yeah, I, I've dieted before. And so now I don't diet. I just like grapple however I am and eat whatever I feel like eating. Um, so I do that and spirit animal, uh, probably a Jack Russell Terrier cause they're my favorite dog. And I feel like that's basically like if I had to be an animal, it might be that little high strung. <laughs> yeah. Cindy, I've enjoyed talking to you so much. You're so really excited both for your history podcast about the Northwest, which I'm going to listen to and subscribe to immediately, but also about your new school. I can't, can't wait for it to open and get down to train with you. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for letting me come train today. And yeah, uh, come visit me when my school opens in a couple of months. Our thanks to Cindy Hales for that great interview. We had a great time training with, learning from, and talking with Cindy Hales. So if you're interested in training with her, you can get at her online on Instagram at Sleeper96. You can also check out her school, Sleeper Jiu-Jitsu, which is going to open in Linwood, Washington this coming spring. You can also check out a great technique that Cindy showed us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash cagesideradio. You can also search for Dirty White Belt Radio on Facebook. It's already got a bunch of shares. People are enjoying it. Cindy has an innovative guard she calls the Bora Bora Guard, which is a powerful control position that she can also submit from, sweep from, and set up other attacks from as well. Any final thoughts for us, Lourdes? No, go train with Cindy. Come up to Bellingham. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. She's Lourdes. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening.